Good morning. It's good to be back here. Thanks for having me back. Um, I want to invite you to to join me on an adventure, which is what Gandalf would say if he were here. He would say, I want you to come on an adventure with me. Um, I want to do a little exploration to solve a riddle. Um, And if you're like me, that's the kind of stuff that that intrigues me. I watch movies like um, National Treasure where they take a document and somewhere hidden in the document are these clues. And if you can figure out the right clues and the right questions to ask, you know, sometimes the letters light up. That, that won't happen. Um, but, it, that, you know, the exploration of, of this mystery um, is something that I enjoy. I hope you'll uh, do that with me today. Um, the difference is between, you know, this, uh, this national treasure idea and today is that the mystery hidden in here is not hidden intentionally. It wasn't written uh, as some sort of a code uh, to be broken, um, but there's a reason why it is that way to us. It is a mystery to us because uh, of two things. One, the people that are involved in this story are so different from us, and the story was really given to them. I mean, the story comes to us, but it was really given to them, and it's about uh, their life at the time, and so we're so far removed from, from them that it's, it becomes difficult for us to understand, and because we're actually so familiar with the story that sometimes if you know a story, you don't bother to ask the questions um, to probe deeper and, and discover something. So those two reasons we're going to look at um, are part of what makes this story a mystery to us. The mystery is actually in the Christmas story. And if you know, the Christmas story, which we probably have just um, heard, read, maybe you saw it on Peanuts, you know, Christmas, where Linus walks out and gives his speech at the end. Um, so you may be familiar with this story, but it's important to know that the people that were involved in the story when it happened are entirely different than us. Their life, their world was so different from ours. Now, the story is for us. The Christmas story is for us. Um, but it wasn't immediately for us. It was for them. And that can make it actually difficult for us to understand. There's a, there's a hidden uh, riddle there. And also the fact that we hear it so much that maybe we think we know exactly what's going on um, and the people involved in the story. And I want to read it to you. It's, it comes from Luke. This is actually the one that they chose for, um, for the Peanuts gang, uh, for Linus to read as well. But this, this story comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And um, there we are. So, uh, so I'll read it. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good noise. Good good noise. Excuse me. Good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now again, the, the players in this story, the actors, um, I think sometimes we, we assume because we, we've heard this story so many times, we, we may have even seen it played out on stage with children and all the costumes and the animals and all these sorts of things, that, um, that those are just sort of bit players in this, this grand story God is trying to tell. But I want you to know that, those, that all of the characters in this um, are very much telling the story as well as being part of the story. And... Um, we need to do some background, though, because in any, in any case where you're trying to solve a riddle, you have to ask the right questions. You have to know um, how to pull the, the clues out of the story. And in particular, I want to focus on the portion of the story that has to do with uh, angels visiting shepherds. Um, because we are, again, relatively familiar with um, you know, Mary and Joseph and the baby, and that might be the centerpiece of the Christmas story. Um, but I want to tell you that the story can be told powerfully um, through these characters that we uh, are familiar with but may not um, really know or know much about. And so I want to give you some backstory um, about these people. The, the Hebrew people um, are the race of people that this story happened among. Um, and the Hebrew people are entirely different from us. And, and part of their story is that they uh, came almost out of nowhere. Uh, in fact, there almost was not a Hebrew people at all. Um, God had decided that the, the, he wanted to tell the world about forgiveness and his intent to forgive. And the way he decided to do that was to take one man. This man's name was Abraham. We read this story in Genesis. And he pulled this man and he said, uh, I want to tell the whole world that I'm willing to forgive. Now we say, forgive what? Well, we know that at that time, as much as it is now, that the world and, and the human race is in a kind of rebellion against God. There is a disobedience um, that is inherently a part of our lives. And I know there's some young kids here, and you probably know that um, in, in your home, following the rules uh, is important, and breaking the rules brings something we call consequences. And so God had established a way he wanted the world to work. And, and for us, his, his, the pinnacle of his creation to obey him, and if we didn't obey him, then there were consequences. And so what we see throughout history, then and now, is that we live in a world where we have consequences for our rebellion against God. And the, and the main way we understand consequence from the, from the Bible is death is the consequence of our rebellion. That because of our uh, disobedience of God, that death has come from that. So it's, uh, it's heavy. The heavy price has to be paid for our disobedience of God. The Hebrew people... God said, I want to tell the whole world that I'm willing to forgive, even though death is the consequence for this rebellion. I'm willing to forgive. And so he pulled this man, Abraham, who had no children, who was old, and, and, and he told Abraham, I promise you that I'm going to take you and make a great nation of people out of you. So this would be a miracle. This would be a significant miracle. And God said, and through that nation of people, I want to communicate to the world that I'm willing to forgive. And, and, uh, and so... Um, God turned Abraham into a great nation of people and to tell the world uh, that he was willing to forgive. This, um, 
this story plays out many years later where Abraham's descendants, these children of the children of the children, um, became a great nation. They actually did. Um, and they found themselves, this massive nation of people that came from this one man, uh, found themselves in, enslaved in Egypt. This is a story you, you have or can go see in the theaters right now. It's being played out on the screen, um, Gods and Kings. Um, this is the Hebrew people now enslaved in Egypt. And God then goes back and says, but I want you to be free. I'm going to set you free from Egypt because I want you to worship me. And by worshiping me, I want you to tell the world that I'm willing to forgive. So he's working the story out as we go. Now, in Abraham's story, God had given him this son. And, and because death is a consequence of, of sin, um, God set up a system whereby he could tell them, I'm willing to forgive. And that system was that they could sacrifice an animal. And, that, and the death of that animal demonstrated God's willingness to forgive the people. Now, for us in America, this is a, a, an unsavory idea that the, that of, of executing animals um, in order to uh, receive God's forgiveness. But in the rest of the world, sacrifice of animals is rather uh, typical. This wouldn't be unsavory to most of the people in the world even today. Um, it's just, it's so unusual to us. It's something we have a hard time getting our minds around. But this is, this is the Hebrew people. They lived in a system of sacrificing animals so that they could understand what it meant for God um, to be willing to forgive them. And so Abraham, knowing this, um, one day is called by God to take his son and to sacrifice his son. Not an animal, but his son. And Abraham, we, don't, we aren't told the whole story, but Abraham certainly wrestled with this and and, 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 and pondered and struggled with the idea that God would ask him to do it. But in his obedience to God, he takes his son on a small trip and prepares to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now Isaac, along the way, is asking his father, because Isaac knows what the system is. He knows that the animals are sacrificed for, uh, for forgiveness. And so he asks his father, Abraham, where's the animal? Where's the, the, the lamb that's going to be sacrificed? And God says to Isaac, uh, Abraham says to Isaac, God is going to provide an animal to be sacrificed not telling him that the intent was that he would be it. And so there's this climactic moment where, where Abraham ties up his son and prepares to sacrifice him, and God says, stop, don't do it. I see that you believe now that I am willing to forgive and that you would go to this extent to see that I'm willing to forgive uh, your rebellion and sin. Now, I want to fast forward because, that again, that people became a great nation, and now they're enslaved, and God's intent is to free them. And the way he's going to free them is he says, I want every family to take an animal again, as part of the system, and to sacrifice that animal. And in this case, to take the blood of that animal and wipe it on the doorposts and the, and the top of your homes. And I'm going to send a plague, a final plague, that's going to wipe out Egypt, but I'll protect you if you have the blood of this animal. It's a picture of, this, of the system that God had set up. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to bypass death on their part and, and, and forgive them uh, in, in a sacrificial way. So they did this, and they were set free. And this event is called Passover, and, and, and God told them, now you are to celebrate this event every year. And, they, and the Hebrew people have been celebrating it every year for thousands of years, thousands of years. Every year they celebrate this event. And when they do, it takes a great deal of animals to participate. A lot of animals are sacrificed the Passover, and for thousands of years they've done this. So we enter into a story um, where people practice this sacrificial event in order to understand God's forgiveness. And so that's when we enter into this story. The Christmas story is about a, about a people who that is the, their, their life. Their life is about sacrifice. 
to understand the, that God's forgiveness. So we enter it here with a bit of a riddle in front of us, and that is, again, why, among all of the players in this, why shepherds? Why would God go there? God could have, I mean, God could have sent angels to send this message to anybody. He could have sent the message to uh, the press. He could have gone to uh, the center of Rome. He could have announced this to Caesar Augustus. He could have gone to anybody. Why would he go to shepherds in this case? Right? In order to un unpack the riddle, we have to ask the questions and to pull out the clues. And so the clues will be, um, uh, we will show them here. First of all, it says that they went to the town of Bethlehem. And, and Bethlehem is a little town. That's not just a song. Um, there, it is a very small town. And it's a very small suburb of a very, very big town, uh, which is Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem is the place where all the Hebrew people would gather together once a year to do this exercise. They would, they would sacrifice animals for Passover. And Jerusalem at this time of year would be swelling with people. So many people, hundreds of thousands of people would be drawn to Jerusalem to participate in Passover and make sacrifices of animals. So this is the place where Mary and Joseph travel in order to register before um, or during the time when she's uh, pregnant and the baby is born. Um, so it says that in the town nearby that there were shepherds out in the fields watching their flocks, as you might imagine they would do, but it says that they were doing it at night. And I want to I propose a couple questions for you. I've already proposed the first one. That is, why would God send an angel to announce this story to shepherds? I think sometimes we hear, well, shepherds were kind of lowly, and not, you know, not terribly successful. And so God is sort of um, demonstrating that he's willing to reach out to the, kind of the lowest of people. And, that, and that, that's certainly part of it. Um, but that's not the entire story by any means. But I want you to ponder that. Why would he go to shepherds? They seem to be a significant part of it. And I would ask you, is it because um, when we do nativity plays, you know, we need, we need more children. So we need, let's just put some shepherds in there because then you can put a lot of them and then there's lots of sheep and then it fills the stage. Um, it's certainly not that. That's not the reason why they're included. Um, but we see um, that God brings them into the story and announces them that, uh, that they're out in their flocks at night. Now, um, I'm not a shepherd, but I can tell you that I think, I'm pretty sure that shepherding usually involves getting up in the morning, probably early, taking your sheep out into the fields to let them eat, to let them frolic, uh, and so forth. And then sometime in the evening, you take them back and put them in their pens so you can go to get a shower and go to bed. Um, but they're out at night watching their sheep at night. And have you pondered why they would be doing that? So we're trying to unpack a riddle here, and part of the riddle is why them and why are they doing this? And so we have to ask questions to pull the clues out. And then it says an angel appeared to them and made this announcement. Well, it's important to know as we unpack this that... Uh, the shepherds tending flocks so near Jerusalem were not just regular shepherds, and these were not just regular flocks of sheep. That because of their proximity to Jerusalem and the time of year the sacrifice was coming, that these are called temple sheep. The temple was the center of the people's worship. It's where the sacrifices were made for this Passover event. And so these flocks were special flocks because the sheep born in these flocks were born to be sacrificed in the temple. And the reason the shepherds were out all night watching is because they were watching for perfect sheep to be born. See, part of this sacrificial system that God set up 
through Abraham and through his people early, early on, thousands of years before, said that when you take a lamb to sacrifice it, it has to be perfect. There can't be any blemishes on it. It can't be crippled. It, it, it would be our tendency, if, especially if we were part of this, and it was their tendency to say, well, if God is asking me to sacrifice something, I've got this one lamb over here. Uh, he can barely walk. You know, he, he, his one eye is not really good. He's not any good to me. His sheep, I mean, his wool is all different colors, and there's no much, I can't really even use that. I'll give that one to God because I can't use it anyway, right? This would be the tendency uh, of us. And, and God says, no, you can't do that. In fact, I want the very, very best you can find. And it might be hard to find. You might not even have any in your flock. You might have to go purchase one from someone else. So they, were, they, they created a high value for these sheep that were perfect. And so the shepherds stayed out all night, night after night, watching in shifts to see if a perfect lamb could be born so that they could deliver it to the temple for the time of sacrifice so that all of these people, throngs of people coming to Jerusalem would have animals for sacrifice so that they could understand God's forgiveness. And so the angel announces and appears to them to stop looking. That when these shepherds are out watching for a lamb to be born that could be sacrificed, the angels go to them because through them the story can be told, which is exactly what the angels say, that the lamb has been born. That in the city of David today, a, a perfect lamb has been born for you and you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to stay up all night. You don't have to take animals into the temple to be sacrificed year after year after year to understand God's forgiveness. You can, you can have God's forgiveness in now the fullest way because a perfect lamb has been born to you in the city of David. And that lamb born to you, that perfect lamb, is a baby wrapped in cloth. And you can go see him. You can actually find him. And so the shepherds say, well, of course, Let's go see, because there's no reason for us to stay out in this field watching for lambs to be born if, if we can go see that this, this can all be done. We can be done with this. We can be done with this system where year after year we have to find something perfect to offer God so that he'll forgive us. That the story the angels told through the shepherds, the riddle that's in there is that they were specifically chosen because they could tell the story really, really well. They could tell the story of God's forgiveness really well. And that is that they're, and, and they were probably trained, they were probably theologically astute about exactly how it had to happen. And, and all of that now um, is over. That's a part of their, their old life now. They've been given a new life, which is to pursue this person who is the, the final sacrifice. And, and, and yet it didn't all happen right then, right? This wasn't completely uh, fulfilled then. They found this baby and, and they worshipped him and they said, now we need to go tell other people what just happened. Because we want to set people free the way we've been set free from this old system. And that's exactly what it says that, that the shepherds went and then started telling everybody. Guess what? Angels came and found us. They brought us into the story. And we have a unique position to tell the story. Because we used to look for perfect lambs and now we found it. And, and, and yet it wasn't, that, that sacrifice didn't get made right away. We understand that it was years later, years later. That this baby that was wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger that the shepherds found, this, this baby grew up to be the man Jesus. And that sacrifice was made many years later. In fact, there's another man that's part of this story. His name was John. And his life calling was to tell people that something is coming and it's immediate. And so the baby 
that the, that the shepherds found became a man that this John, who was doing a ministry of helping people transition from an old way of life, the old system of sacrifices, into a new system. When he sees Jesus for the first time, do you know what he says to everybody there getting baptized and, and moving through the transition? He says to all of them, that is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's the Lamb of God. That's, that's why the shepherds stopped looking. That's why the shepherds quit their jobs years ago. Because we found him, and now he's here. And the sacrifice was coming. You understand that Jesus was born to die. That's why he was here. He was born here, came here to die. That was his purpose. And so we see it told very well through the shepherds and then ultimately confirmed um, by John. And so I want to ask you this question as we've unpacked this mystery. Um, there are still questions for us because as we see ourselves now brought into the story, we have to ask ourselves this. Are we still trying to work the old system? Do we look at our lives and say, what are the things that I can do to make God like me? What are the ways that I can do things find perfect ways or make myself perfect so that God will receive me, that he'll forgive me? Can I find a way to earn this from God so that he'll owe it to me, maybe? Maybe what we're trying to do is obligate God to forgive us, to say, hey, I, I, I gave you what you asked for. Now you owe it to me. Is that, because that's a system that has is, is disappeared. It's, that system is gone. It has no end to it now for us. If, if you participate in that, there is no end. There is no freedom. That God set us free by sending a sacrifice for us, perfect sacrifice. Set the shepherds free in the most immediate sense and then sets our souls free by sending a sacrifice for us. So what we should be pursuing is not some, some means to please God. What we should be pursuing is the means he gave us, this perfect lamb, sacrifice for us. That's what our lives should be about. That's what we should be pursuing to set us free from the consequences of our sin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the story, and I thank you that um, while there is much that is mysterious, um, you have revealed it to us if we are willing to, to ask the questions and pursue the clues. And I thank you that this story is an adventure that didn't just end a long time ago. It's an adventure that keeps going. It's an adventure that draws us in. In much the same way that it drew in people um, who are much different than we are, um, we can have the same reaction. We can leave an old life of just trying to pursue some sort of perfection. And we can just receive the lamb born perfectly for us. We can pursue him. And I thank you for that gift. I thank you for revealing that in the story. And I thank you that um, Jesus was born uh, to die. To fulfill all of this old way and set us free. Make a new way for us. So we thank you for the generosity that you would give us away uh, and tell us a story so captivating, so exciting for us to know um, that you would be willing to do this to forgive. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So giving is, a, is obviously a big part of Christmas. And the giving of gifts for us is, is a demonstration of our love for people. and, and um, But it's also a way for us in the church, and we do this all, all the time. In church, it's a, it's a matter of us saying thank you to God for his generosity. And it, and it really does um, help provide, as we do it together, all our churches do it together, um, to provide for a means for, if you will, shepherds to go and tell the story of what, um, what God has done for us. 
And so um, when we give, it's an act of worship, and it's an act of, of, of trusting God with something that his kingdom uh, can be built upon. And so um, I hope you will continue to worship um, as we receive the offering. That the perfect Lamb of God, born in Bethlehem in the town of David, that shepherds changed their lifestyle because of, hung on a cross, our high priest, and announced over the world, this system is finished. Don't strive after that anymore. It's done. And so what we read in the New Testament is because of that, because we have a high priest who has declared the old way finished, it says then what we should be doing in our freedom is spurring each other on toward love and good deeds. We should be doing what the shepherds did, and that is going and telling people, guess what has happened for us. And so, go in peace and tell people what has happened to us. Amen.